A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. School of Humans. She was talking to somebody on Saturday and had plans to meet with this person on Sunday in the park. She was supposed to meet with someone Sunday in the park. So we still haven't figured out who that was because I was kind of thinking, I knew she had Instagram messages exchanged with Eric Perry. So I thought maybe it was Eric Perry, but now we know obviously that it wasn't him. So was there a guy who she was planning on meeting Sunday in the park? Could it have been someone else? We're trying to figure that out. Each person who we've talked to about Ebby reveals some new information about who she was and what she was doing before she disappeared. We found out that she hung out with a lot of different people and groups, and some of these people didn't even necessarily know each other. There was Danielle, her old friend from school, who she sometimes stayed with during the week. Then there was Eric, who Abby hung out with in a group with some other friends and eventually dated. Then there were C and L. Abby seemed to know C pretty well, while Elle was more of a friend of a friend. But as we dig in with each person, we keep finding more and more circles of people. And we're realizing that there may be people out there who we haven't found yet. It seems like Ebby was going to meet someone at the park. And if we can figure out who it is, everything might fall into place. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone.
When I talked to Eric, he had a theory about what could have happened to Ebby. When he talked to Ebby that last time on Sunday, remember, he said she sounded exhausted. She sounded impaired in some way, out of it and incoherent. I think you were saying she seemed like she was out of it or she'd been roofied or something. Right, yes. Like, that's why I think she might have passed out and woke up, too, because of the way she sounded. We know that Ebby had smoked pot in the past and that at some point she was on a couple of different types of prescription drugs. But could Ebby have taken something else, even accidentally, that contributed to her death? Yes, Ebby could have very well overdosed on drugs. She took drugs, that's the real thing, like, and that was, like, around the time where fentanyl was, like, people didn't even know what fentanyl was in mm-hmm. these drugs, you know? So it's, that's a very, like, I understand why the police feel like she could have, you know, this could have happened to her. Like the rest of the nation, at the time, Little Rock was experiencing an increase of deaths due to overdose. Fentanyl was making the news, especially after Prince's death. But back in 2015, it was not as well known as it is now in the region. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, and it was developed as a painkiller and anesthetic. Because it's so strong, up to 100 times stronger than morphine, the potential for accidental overdose can be huge. Sometimes fentanyl is added to other drugs, so people can overdose on fentanyl and have no idea that they ever took it. Based on how Ebby sounded to Eric, and also what Trevor said about his call with her, it does seem like Ebby was in some sort of very altered state. We talked to toxicology expert Dr. Barry Gustin about the signs of a fentanyl overdose. Well, the first thing, you have to understand what the effects are on the body. When it's taken in a normal uh, doses, the normal dose is between 25 and 50 micrograms per dose. Uh, we're talking micrograms okay. rather than milligrams. It's one thousandth of a milligram, a microgram. So right. it's, it's very small. So the, its effect on the body is the same effect as any opioid. You get pain relief, you relaxed, you get sedated. Some people might get a little nauseous from it. But when you take an excess amount of it, the amount uh, that's in excess will produce stupor, cause the skin to be cold and clammy, the person might go into a coma. It causes respiratory failure, leading usually leading to death. And the fentanyl does something else that's interesting that no other opioid does. It causes a, an abnormality in the chest wall and in the diaphragm. It causes what we call chest wall rigidity. And what that does is it makes the breathing very, very difficult because if you can't expand your chest wall or your diaphragm, you're not going to be able to breathe. So not only does it depress respiration so that you can have a respiratory arrest, it also makes it very difficult to breathe because you can't have normal excursion of your chest wall and your diaphragm. And is it possible for someone who might be overdosing to pass out and then wake up and then pass out again? No. Okay. So once they're out, they're out, basically. Once they're out, they're out. Our case was back in 2015. Can you just talk a little bit about, was fentanyl present in 2015? Oh, yeah. Fentanyl's been around a long, long time. And you have to think of it this way. Opioid overdose deaths have really become an epidemic in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible, terrible scourge. And what you have to think about is the opioid overdose deaths have come really in three waves. The third wave began in around 2013. And we started 
started seeing a huge spike up in overdose deaths from these synthetic opioids. And the number one culprit there is fentanyl. There's been counterfeit pills. Uh, Heroin is laced with fentanyl. Uh, Cocaine is laced with fentanyl. And the problem is that these deaths that are occurring are deaths when the individual doesn't know that they've been ingesting fentanyl. So the overdose victims are dying after unknowingly ingesting the fentanyl. That's the problem. Right. There are more fentanyl-related deaths now uh, per period of time than gun and automobile-related deaths combined. Wow. So these deaths are no longer being treated by the government as accidental deaths. They're being treated as homicides. Um, Well, my last question, which you partially already answered, really, is what drugs does fentanyl appear in? Um, I know you mentioned heroin, cocaine, pills. Um, What about marijuana? What about pot? Yes, it's in marijuana, too. And I guess there's no real way to know what you're buying. There isn't. Even if an accidental overdose contributed to Ebby's death, it doesn't explain everything. Why was she in that pipe? We'll be right back. Hey, y'all, it's Catherine. As you know from Helen Gone, crime can happen to anyone at any time. When it comes to home security, your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. Obviously, we cannot control everything that happens out there in the world, but when I'm in my own home, I feel very reassured by the fact that I have a home security system. And Simply Safe is affordable, easy to use, and crucially, it's easy to get started with and then build on later as you need more functionality. They have a huge variety of indoor and outdoor cameras. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day with no contracts and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Helengon. That's simplysafe.com slash Helengon. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile... 
the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An overdose does not explain everything. Like, I understand why the police feel like she could have, you know, this could have happened to her also. But basically what I'm trying to say, I see why they could say, oh, yes, she overdosed. But how can you say somebody put themselves in a pipe? We've also been getting more details about the towel that was found near Ebby's car. Lee, the neighbor who called in the abandoned car, let Laurie know that from the beginning, she believed that the way the towel was positioned was suspicious. In a text to Laurie, Lee wrote that she saw a red towel laying flat out beside the back passenger tire, and she wondered if someone could have used it to slide themselves down into the drain. Now, there are two ways to access the storm drain that leads down to the 13-inch wide pipe where Abby's body was found. Whoever put her down there could have lifted the manhole cover, then put her there and closed the cover afterwards. But there's also another possibility. The gutter that leads down to that drain is wide and angles pretty sharply downward. So Ebby could have slid down that way. Or someone could have pushed her down that way. Lee said that she told the original detective on the case, Roy Williams, that she believed the towel could be a significant clue. From day one, I said the towel was used for something, she wrote. Lee says that after she talked to the police, they basically dismissed the towel. They seemed to think that Ebby could have been hanging out outside her car or sitting on it. But on October 25, 2015, according to a historical weather data website, the temperature in Little Rock would have been in the 50s. That seems very cold for a teenager to get out of the car and hang out. Why wouldn't she have stayed inside her car? Did something scare her? Or did something happen there? that caused her to get out. 
something unexpected that would have caused someone else to slide her into that manhole using that towel. Eric's theory was that Ebby could have overdosed and that it could have been an accident, and then the person or people she was with just panicked. If they did, could they have made a split-second decision to get rid of her body and then put her onto that towel? But who was even with Ebby that day? There's a photo on Ebby's Instagram that she posted about a week before she went missing. She's in her car in a park. It's Burns Park in North Little Rock. Compared to Chalmont, Burns Park is huge, and it's one of the many parks that Ebby liked to hang out in. And in that photo, she's not alone. She's with a guy. And the caption reads, Made a new friend. When Laurie saw this photo for the first time, she immediately knew who this guy was. His name is Leo. We've confirmed with multiple sources that Leo and Ebby used to hang out. But according to Laurie, when Leo was questioned by the police in 2015 after Ebby disappeared, he told them he didn't know Ebby. So we're trying to find out more about him, where he is now, if he'll talk. Leo has also showed up in Ebby's phone records after she went missing. His, he called a couple times. And Leo is also someone who Eric mentioned as being potentially a guy who Ebby might hang around with in that park. So for all those reasons, we're trying to find Leo. But Leo is turning out to be hard to find. Mike can't find him on his PI database. And even though we have a last name, we can't find anyone with that exact name who would be the correct age. But finally, after making some calls, I get a message on Instagram from someone who says they know Leo well. Are you guys okay if I record this, by the way? I don't have to use it. I don't have to use it. We're not using this source's name because they're scared. They said that Leo moved to the Little Rock area from Hot Springs when he was 17 and that for a period of time, he attended Central High School. The source says that Leo did hang around in a group that included Ebby and some guys. The source did not know the guys, but described them as African-American. The source said that Ebby, these guys, and Leo would all go to parks together. One of the things we've been trying to figure out, too, is, like, there's a friend group who were kind of around on Friday night, and it seems like Leo, I'm just trying to figure out where he fits into it, because definitely I think that he was going to the park with her, either that park or another park, maybe Burns Park, but he was going to the park with her. I just can't figure out how he's connected to the guys on Friday night, like if he knew them. Was Leo part of the group that Ebby was with on Friday night? Or could he have been around on Saturday or Sunday? According to the source, Leo was hanging out with Ebby in the days before she went missing. And at some point, he got a call from her where she seemed to be very distraught. Well, if he got, if, when he got the call where he was really distraught, did he ever say anything about what the call was about? What happened during that call? Did Ebby call him to tell him about the sexual assault? Or could it have been something else? We'll be right back. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I know this is a little off the subject, but um, apparently there was a big, like, Laurie, Tommy Hudson called Laurie yesterday and said, was Catherine trying to say that the security guard did something to Ebby? And Laurie's like, no, she was asking why the story didn't match. And he's like, well, nothing could be further from the truth. Like, he's been lie detector. Someone gave him a lie detector test. And and I just was kind of like, you know, okay, but how do we know that? Did he say he gave him a lie detector test? No, we don't know who did or if anyone did. And I'm just not believing what the police are saying because we know they've gotten so much wrong that I really don't. I mean, these are logical questions you'd be asking anyone at this point. So anyway, just letting you know that's going on. Even with our questions about the security guard and about several other people, it still looks like the LRPD are no longer going to work on the case. In Detective Bruce Maxwell's words in an email to Lori, quote, there is no more work to be done on the case, end quote. But it's strange because Bruce has also confirmed that he has no idea where Ebby was on Saturday night. And another question that hasn't been answered is what about Ebby's phones? So this whole time, there's been a question about whether Abby could have had a second phone. And now it looks like she definitely did have a second phone. Lori told us that shortly before Abby went missing, Abby switched her phone with another friend of hers. The friend who Lori believes that Abby switched phones with is Kaylee, the same friend who searched Shalomont Park with her mom right after Abby disappeared. They're the ones who smelled decomposition. They called the police, and according to Kaylee and her mom, law enforcement kind of blew them off and said it must have been an animal or something else. But it seems now that that could have been a hugely important tip. The fact that Ebby could have switched phones with a friend of hers has never been brought up in our conversations with police. And if Ebby did switch phones with a friend, then that friend could have access to some information that has never been seen. So that could be very significant because apparently some of the messages in the cloud, like Kaylee was still getting Ebby's messages in the cloud and some of her data and pictures, which could be very significant because if that was going on, then Ebby's phone could have had some of Kaylee's data. And the police have been saying that they had like Bruce Maxwell recently said he went through 6,000 photos on Ebby's phone that apparently no one had looked through. And he's basing his timeline on those photos. So my question would be, can we be absolutely sure that those were Ebby's photos and that they weren't corrupted with some of the other data from, you know, Kaylee's phone? Um, I don't even know if he's aware of that. I don't think Bruce has spoken to her. And I'm also wondering, why doesn't he just, you know, call Kaylee and say, hey, can you look through these photos and tell me if any of them are you or yours? The, the only thing I would ask is if she does allow us to look at the phone, We need to ask her if she factory reset that phone anytime between now and then. Did you just get a new phone and just kept that phone and it's been off or or have you? Like, we need to know some things about the phone. If it's an older iPhone, you may still be able to pull data off of it. Some of the newer iPhones, when you factory reset it, it it renders the data cryptographically inaccessible, which means it needs to go to a lab in order for them to pull all the old data off of it. But if, like, it's still there and some of that stuff is is there, we can rip the handset 
if Kaylee will allow us to do it, and then we can turn that over to law enforcement if if we so desire after we look through the data. I put out a call to Kaylee, and we made a plan to talk sometime in the next few days. Though we have not yet been able to identify the two men who were patrolling with a security guard, we do have some more information. People have been texting and calling our tip line now that the podcast is coming out. And Laurie has also been getting calls. Some of them say they have information about the case. I know I, from Laurie, I just, I'd seen the message you sent her. And um, I guess just tell me what you, what you know. Well, a few years ago. This is Leslie. Exactly she met Laurie through her hairdresser because she went to the same salon where Laurie worked. So I sat next to her while she was getting my hair done for years and talking to her. And Evie would run in and out when she was young. And Evie was in my son's graduating class at Central High School. And so she would have graduated with him. So it was very personal to all of us, especially since she went missing from our park, our pool. um, Mm -hmm. And that was where her car was found. After Evie went missing, Leslie did whatever she could to help Lori. I put up posters you know, everywhere I went, thinking that perhaps she was being trafficked, we were just very, very, very upset about it. And I kept saying, I just I just can't believe this story of being trafficked. did search for her. My husband and I and my friend and I would go up there and walk around, and I would just get the, the hairs in the back of my neck would stand up And I, when I went over there. And I just said something bad happened here and they need to figure this out and why are they not looking for her more diligently Leslie lives in Chenal Valley in a neighborhood very close to Shalomont Park so she was part of the neighborhood that Guy Hooper regularly patrolled and this is why she called me she tells me she's not seen anyone matching the description of the young black men who Michael mentioned seeing that day when he went to look for Abby shortly after she went missing. But Leslie said she does know for a fact that there was someone else who patrolled the area regularly with Guy Hooper. This is extremely surprising to me because during this entire investigation, no one has ever mentioned this other person. I, I just I've never heard this son even mentioned, which is what... See, the thing for me, and I'm sorry well, to be... Well, that's why I said, look that yeah. up. The person who patrolled regularly with Guy Hooper was his son, Josh. Leslie said she never had a good feeling about them. She says they drive around and beat up cars and often patrol around dusk. Then there was another unsettling incident she remembered about them. I do believe it was before 2011. He um, was involved, and I believe his son was working for him at the time. Uh, This was on the news. But anyway, there was a robbery outside of Chanel, not really in Chanel proper. He and his uh, company, they saw somehow a, a robbery in progress at a pharmacy and chased the people, and I, they chased them into one of the Chanel neighborhoods. And in the process of this, somehow someone ended up getting shot and killed the, of the robbers. There was two or three of them by one of the Hoopers. Leslie can't find the newspaper articles about this now. But she and her family also had another unfortunate encounter with the Hoopers. We had a personal experience with him that was bad and where my son was involved. He was um, a lifeguard at one of the the pools here. And when he was a senior, I mean, between senior and college summer, he was very young and he 
and his friends were out running around and it, and he said, hey, I've got a key to the pool. Do you want to go to the pool? And they all go, oh, yeah, of course, you know, they should be doing that. He was an employee, but he did go there after hours and let them in. Leslie's son and his friends went into the pool without permission after hours. Not the pool at Shalmont Park, but a pool in a neighborhood nearby. But apparently, after they went in there, the Hooper spotted them. And what happened next was extremely disturbing. They came in there and they basically, you know, made them get on their, their knees and said, you know, y'all are in really big trouble. And I could have blown your head off and said this multiple times. And, and the police came and I don't know who called the police. I don't know if they did. I don't know who did. But the police came and said, you know, you need to calm down. Security guards are supposed to de-escalate situations. And according to the source we spoke to from the Homeowners Association, the reason they had a security guard around there in the first place was mainly to deter crime, not to detain people. And when the police came, Leslie says that even they were telling the Hoopers they needed to calm down. And he was like insistent that they give them all tickets, that we had to go to court over it. And wow. pay a fine, which is, it, and he lost his job. And that's fine because he did break the rules and he shouldn't have been there after hours. But, uh, I mean, the, the people at the court couldn't believe it that this had made such a big deal about this. And the police even said, you know, this is your overboard on this. This is crazy. These kids have done, all they're doing is sitting here talking around the pool. They really weren't doing anything. Leslie said that most of the people in the neighborhood, especially after incidents like these, didn't like the Hoopers patrolling. She said she didn't really even understand why they needed to be there in the first place. But, she admitted, people were reluctant to complain about them because of what she described as a fear of retaliation. Leslie remembers the day when Ebby's body was found. And then when mm -hmm. they found her, I was like, I drove past and I saw it. And I was like, oh my God, they found her finally. And she's right there, right where we all said she probably was the entire time. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just so, so awful for Laurie and Michael and everybody, and Trevor and everybody in Harris that, that have suffered so long. After Ebby's body was found, and with the information and her general feeling about the Hoopers, Leslie called Tommy Hudson. Anyway, I called Tommy Hudson, uh, I don't even know when, maybe three years ago after they discovered Ebby's body and all this came out about him seeing her at the, you know, there was a couple of conflicting stories from him. Leslie told Tommy about the story with the Hoopers and her son and the robbery case from 2011. When I did tell Tommy Hudson, he said, well, I'll check into that. But, you know, he kind of shouted off to his other officers, says, has anybody heard about this where the Hoopers shot someone? And they said, no, no. He says, we don't have any record. We don't know. I said, well, you need to look into that because it was on the news. I don't know how it could not be there. How in the world did that story get lost? And I, I mm -hmm. said to Tommy when he was on the case, and said, you have to look at him. He goes, oh, he has been cleared. That's what he said. And I said, well, I don't know how. So I told him my stories and he was like, well, I'll look into that. And then Nothing ever came about. I never. I said, "Well, here's my number," and he never called me back. So, who is Josh Hooper? Unlike his dad, he's fairly easy to find on social media. He apparently lives in Sherwood, Arkansas, and runs a flooring company. We find his address, and we also found a phone number for Leo. It's time to make some calls. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone. Hell and Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. 
It's written and hosted by me, Katherine Townsend, and produced by Gabby Watts and Mike Dowd. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, L.C. Crowley, and Virginia Prescott. Mix and Master is by Ryan Peoples, and our music is by Ben Salik. If you have any information regarding Ebby's case, please call our tip line at 678-632-6159. School of Humans. School of Humans. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.